Hello and welcome back to Reality Speaks, where our mission is to talk about what's really going on in the world, what the role of the church really should be in this time, what the Bible really says about life. And we are continuing our series today, discussing the role of the fivefold ministry in the modern apostolic church. We have already covered pastors, we've already covered teachers, and last week we covered evangelists. And every one of these men and women have been absolutely on point with describing the role of that ministry and what God means for that ministry to play in the role of the modern apostolic church. And today is no different. Today, we have my father, my pastor, the apostle to Marion, Kentucky. Brother Daniel Orton, Pastor Daniel Orton. And he is going to discuss a little bit about what it means to be an apostle, what the role of the modern apostle is. And uh, this is, of course, coming from the experience of um, what was once known as home missions when we started and now is known as North American missions. So please listen. You will be blessed and you will hopefully gain a deeper understanding of the role of the apostle in the modern apostolic church. Thank you very much. And we're going to go through our ad and we will go. Listen in. So we are live now, I believe. At least, I don't know if Facebook is, but the recording has started. So, um, welcome everyone. We are with Pastor Orton today, continuing our series, talking about the role of the fivefold ministry in the modern apostolic church. Today, we are talking about the role of... An apostle, uh, once again, just in a brief review, the fivefold ministry is in the book of Ephesians where it talks about he gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the working of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints. Um, I actually heard probably one of the best descriptions of the fivefold ministry, summing it up today in a forum with brother Lee Stone King, uh, Chris Green, and a few others, and brother Stone King put it this way, he said, in the original church that the apostles governed the church, the prophets guided the church, the evangelists gathered the church, and the pastors guarded the church, and the teachers grounded the church. I thought that was a very good description. Uh, if you want to hear the rest of that, you need to go check out East Wind Church. They just had a conference called Winds, and like every single thing I've heard so far is absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, very good. So, but we're going to kick this off. Just uh, Pastor Orton, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are in your current place in ministry right now. 
Well, I was a little slow getting my calling going. I um, got felt the call when I was 20 years old, driving down the road, and the Lord told me I was going to carry the gospel, and I said, no, I'm not. And so for five years, I ran from the calling of God. Um, but I taught Sunday school during that time, and I'm done some things like that. And then finally in 1996, when I just, I didn't have a choice, I decided it was time to preach. So I started preaching and youth pastoring probably when I was, uh, I guess about 98 or 9 maybe. Done that for three and a half years and just felt the need to um, go and start a church. We opened up Harvest House and April 2006, and the rest, I guess, is history, so. Okay. So, um, interesting thought here, but this is, uh, what we're talking about today as apostle. Uh, the definition Brother Stone King gave was <clears throat> that they were governors of the church, and... The uh, definition I heard Brother Mark Morgan use was that they uh, brought authority when they ministered. Uh, but the definition that I found in Strong's Concordance basically means a sent one, one who is sent. So how, how do you define the ministry of an apostle? Um, it pretty much is that. Well, is yeah is someone that's been sent. I, I think we are, in our generation, I've been thinking about it, we are afraid to use some biblical terms like prophet, apostles. I remember several years ago, Brother Jesse Hendricks come up to me one day and tap me on the shoulder, hug my neck or something, and say, hey, Apostle Orton, how are you doing? It really made me feel awkward. <laughs> really funny because I don't look at myself as being one of those by no means. But, I mean, in, in all reality, biblically speaking, I guess, you know, being a church planner, I do fall into that, into that row. And um, so I've been thinking about it, and basically it's, it is just somebody who, who takes the gospel, goes into an area that doesn't have it, and through the authority of the Word of God, they establish a work and um, pioneer something. As one definition I found that said, it's somebody who champions a critical reform movement, a belief or a cause, and that's really the truth, you know. Yeah. Uh, the what I heard someone say, I found it incredibly interesting. Was I heard uh, a man? I believe it was a missionary. Jared Driggers, who's a pretty young guy, uh, he's like fresh out of Bible college, and he's a missionary to Spain, I believe, and, or Spain, France, someone, one of those two, and he said that the original meaning of the word in the Greek was talking about someone who was sent by the Roman Empire to go and establish the culture of Rome because he realized, because the emperor realized 
they weren't going to bow to a Roman unless they were Roman. Yeah. And he said that when Jesus said, go out and preach the gospel and all that, he was saying, go be apostles to this world for my kingdom, which was interesting to me when I heard that. And I was like, oh, that actually makes sense. Because I'm going to be honest, um, I had no idea uh, going into this. I was kind of like, what What do I really say for this? <laughs> what What did we really use for this? Because it's, it is controversial. Why do you think it is so controversial? Um, I think just because it's, you know, probably because people has abused these five-fold ministries' titles. Just like, um, how many times have you seen, you know, Facebook and other social media sites that um, somebody has their name as prophet whatever or whatever may be the case, you know, and they in maybe using that title to lift their self up. Um, it's like, you know, I know we're going to talk about the role of prophet later, but a real prophet doesn't call himself a prophet. Uh, I guess maybe about the only ones that you really see that is evangelists and pastors. And I just, just probably based on the fact that their role is, uh, so widely used or whatever, but as far as like in our generation, we call them church planners, but they are, um, they are apostles is what they are. And I know on my part, it just, it's an awkward feeling to use that. And I, and that is probably why I think because we've seen the abused and people are just afraid of to use them terminology, that terminology, but yeah, it's very needed right now. So yeah. Uh, what that Brother Stone King said in this, he said, the church will not be restored until we restore these full five-fold ministry, was what he was saying. Yeah. So, um, you're kind of pointing to it, but how has your understanding of this changed over the years? As far as? As far as this particular role, how has your understanding of the role of an apostle changed since, well, especially since 2006, but um, for sure since over the years. I mean, to to be honest, when we first started the church, um, or I guess you could say the work of the apostle, I didn't even really think or consider it to be the work of the apostle. So just as time went and through studying and hearing people talk, I realized, okay, yeah, you know, you are doing the work of the apostle. You're you're doing the work of um, of that fivefold ministry, and and I, th- I think that's probably just where it has changed through the times. The fact that I learned more understanding and hearing people and having you know some people in my life, and that's let me know how important that these areas in our life are. You know, <coughs> so. So obviously, um, you are also, you are a pastor, that is for sure. Uh, I mean, you also talked about the fact that people use the word pastor and they use the word evangelist. Um, I heard Brother Terry Shock talk about it. He said, "Yeah, 
they, uh, he said that I'm called an evangelist because I travel places and preach. He said, but my role in the ministry, I am a teacher. He said, but that is what I believe my position in the fivefold ministry really is, is a teacher. But, uh, they call me an evangelist because I travel and preach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do you think the real key difference is between an apostle and a pastor? All right. Actually, it, I found something that somebody had said that made so much sense. And because you're, you look at the teacher, what a teacher does is disciples people, right? Yeah. Okay. So, and I read this earlier and I, it really struck a chord and made me realize the importance of it. And, um, this said that, you know, talking about teachers, they disciple people. And this is more for the disciple and less for the, uh, the teacher. But, I mean, that's the goal, you think, of most teachers. They want to teach somebody to be a disciple, to go and teach somebody else. But it, it talks about how um, that, if I can find it, basically that a disciple is... Um, Okay, here we go. We can say that all apostles were disciples, but all disciples are not apostles. Yeah. Um, every apostle has to be a teacher, but not every teacher is going to be an apostle. And the reason being is there's qualities that, and I don't feel like I got them all. I feel like <laughs> I need some more of them. There's qualities of an apostle that yeah. is so important to go in a place and start a church, start a work, dig something out. Um, you know, I've met some great teachers of the gospel that probably wouldn't make real good apostles. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest difference is the fact that there are some qualities that an apostle needs in their life that you're going to have to have in order to go dig out a work, start a church, Start something from nothing. Yep. And I think that's probably the biggest difference when you look at it between a, an apostle and a teacher. Okay. So, um, Texas has a question he's been asking. So, why don't you ask that same question again that you've asked uh, Brother Fish at the forum and uh, Brother uh, Green last week. I, I didn't even think about those questions. That's my bad. I remember the question. You've asked it like 17 times. I don't know. I'm pulling up those three questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we're here too. We were just muted to just kind of listen. But um, uh, I know it. I know it's. Uh, first of all, I guess this is a question I could ask. How long have you been serving under Bishop White? You don't know that? I don't know that. I think it is six years. Okay, so, and before that, you had a had a pastor at Star Bethlehem. Yeah, my brother-in-law, um, Monty Fuller. Yeah. So, um, well, let me ask this: how, how, Did it feel like a change when you switched from your pastor being your brother-in-law to being Bishop White? Like that connection you have. It did. Um, of course, brother, I had great, and still do, great respect for Brother Fuller. 
and he, um, I would not be where I am today without him, absolutely, because um, I probably would have made a huge mistake and moved to Alabama when I shouldn't have. And thank God I didn't. Um, that stuff fell through, and but just maybe just through the aspect of the fact that Bishop has so many people under him. Um, he has dealt with so much spiritual warfare and things like that. Yeah, I, there's a there's a huge. I don't know. It, it part of it maybe is my maturity too, and maybe that it's come through that too. I don't know, but yeah, there's a there's a big difference. Part of it I think is just my growth in God, and um, the other part I think is just they operate in different roles too. Brother Fuller and uh, Brother White. Brother White, I mean, he operates in a lot different row, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I only ask that to kind of lay a foundation for that question. Because um, I know, obviously, you believe in submission. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. But uh, uh, how has serving your man of God developed your ministry uh, I know, I know, that's, that's why I was kind of asking that question, because uh, your pastor, Brother Fuller, he was super close to you, and you could physically, most of the time, every day, serve him, but now, Bishop, he's in Texas, that's like 13 hours away. Yeah. Um, how is serving a man 13 hours away helped develop your ministry? Um. Same well, part of it, again, just goes to the fact of the years of ministry he's been in. Um, the uh, Going to his church, I missed it this year, homecoming, you guys know how that is when you go. Just seeing how they treat ministry and how they uphold ministry, how they, how they serve Brother White. Um, and I mean, and I, I'm going to go back now. That all started with Brother Fuller. He laid that foundation for servanthood for me because, trust me, you can ask Cheryl. When we was, we was building that church and she was pregnant with Bethany, about to have her, we was building that church over there and he, uh, we uh, went over there and worked nearly every night and um, yeah, that, that started there. But when I started being under Bishop White, the big difference I think on this part of it, the fact that everything that he does is built around, um, you know, I'm, I'm in submission to him. I'm, you know, I feel like whatever he wants, I'm gonna do it. If he was to call, text, whatever, you know, I'm gonna, no, I'm not going to, I may question swarm in my mind, but it's not going to stop me. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. But um, I guess what the difference is, and I think maybe this is the question you're asking, try to, try to get the answer here, is the fact that his example of serving his people in his ministries has in turn um, put something in me to try to do the same thing. So... So um, one uh, interesting thing there, you talked about following examples, uh, but 
so who would you say is an example of, first of all, who have been mentors and examples in your life outside of just your uh, immediate pastoral leadership, outside of Brother Fuller, outside of Bishop White? You mean as far as... Who have been examples, uh, like, and basically, uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about teachers a couple weeks ago with you, but... Who have been men who have planted churches or who have Whether pastored physically as well. or not or both? Let's start with some people that you know uh, that you may not know personally, and then maybe and then after okay. that talk about some more personal ones. Um, number one probably would have to be. I know it's a little bit different situation scenario. Would be um, there's two different ones. Our superintendent. Of United Pentecostal Church, David Bernard. Uh, last count, I remember they had 19 churches. Um, Brother Wayne Huntley. Yeah. He is, people look at him and realize, think he's a phenomenal conference preacher, but he is a, a um, an apostle to Raleigh, North Carolina. We call him church planters, of course, but he went to Raleigh, North Carolina and lived in a camper and they made peanut brittle and he never worked and they started a church and they got awesome awesome work that's going on there that that is probably huge in my life uh, looking and watching him Jimmy Tony yeah. and now I have got the privilege I got to talk to him several times and um, of course he church, he started a church in Omaha Nebraska and then he started the church in uh, Lexington Kentucky and when he was here I got to talk to him quite a bit and of course now he's the pastor and uh, with Arnold's church, those probably was huge examples in my life. And then um, being a part of the the home missions team here for a long time in Kentucky, um, I got to have a lot of people that influenced my life greatly. Um, some of those being Gene Easterling, and not it's not that he started a lot of churches, but it's just his passion and drive for souls. Was just such an inspiration to me, and it helped me so much. Uh, looks like Cheryl's just mentioned one. It says Harvest House there. <laughs> Gerald Staten. Uh, we got to sit and talk with him at the Home Missions Conference and a few other places. And man, that that's that's a, some. I know there's probably more, but them them are huge ones as far as when it comes to ch- planting churches and apostles, or whatever. You know, and then, you know, there's other ministers that made an impact in my life since then. But as far as this subject, those. Yeah. So, um, one of the... Um, do you have any more questions, Texas? You know, um, I think I could ask one. Uh, I kind of heard a little bit about this before. But how did the United Pentecostal Church help you get started as a church planner? Well, there's actually, they help a lot more than I realize, and I missed a lot of the opportunities. Um, I really found this out at the end of our, what they call the home mission status. But they, well, I say that now, that we got, well over $100 every month that was given to us from the United Pentecostal Church. Um, they helped us financially. 
They, uh, the United Pentecostal Church, part of the organization. Um, Brother Jerry Dillon has a conference every year, apostolic conference that he takes people who is church planters and and go down there and hear awesome preachers like David Shatwell, Chester Wright, um, Mark Morgan. I got to meet, um, you know, Jerry Dillon. We got to meet Wayne Huntley down there. I got to meet Anthony Mangan. So many preachers that just spoke in their life. Brian Kinsey. All these men spoke in their life. So they make a way that you can go do that kind of stuff. Uh, they will supply uh, re- um, home Bible studies for you to a certain amount. Sunday school supplies for you. Uh, they'll make sure that... I mean, there's a lot of areas, you know. And you can even... They have something called a church of the day that will... Um, if you qualify for it in the right right things they'll build you a church in an area and of course you'll have to pay a loan on it but it's like zero percent interest but it's great i would not have wanted done it without united pentecostal church that i know oh yeah so you you kind of mentioned we didn't utilize quite everything so what would you change if you had to do this whole thing over again oh probably a lot Church in the day. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great, but honestly, um, there's too many lonely hours. Too many lonely days. Star Bethlehem was great. Um, Brother Fuller was great. He helped us financially. But too many, too many times going in there and just being us, and I would have reached out more to people. I would have um, probably got more Bible studies going. I think Bible studies would have been great. I would have probably established better discipleship programs at the beginning than now, <laughs> where we are now with some things. Probably several things. Like I would have utilized the United Pentecostal Church more so than what I did. I would have used what they had for us. Um, they have a lot of good stuff that I just didn't take advantage of. But I probably would have not got a building. We got the building first and then got people, and it's not supposed to be that way. I had Brother um, brother Hudson told me one time, he said, I asked him, that's another one I guess I didn't talk about, Brother Hudson. Um, he told me one time, he said, just remember, buildings don't produce people, people produce buildings. And if I had to do all over again, I would have got Bible studies going, rented probably some facilities just on a as-need basis to I got enough people established to get a building going. But we kind of done it the wrong way. But it worked. Because I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to probably somebody that has that apostleship thing they're trying to start a church. Is it has to be a passion. It has to be a drive. It has to be a hunger to go in and have a work and do a work and do something in a place that nobody's doing anything because that's the whole part of it. Yeah. Going to a place where there's not church, there's not a message, truth being preached and going there and put something there. We need more people to do it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I really love, uh, you're talking about the UPC, uh, is I noticed something uh, when I was at Youth Congress this year that there is something they're doing now. 
when the hyphen ministry was first founded, its primary focus was we're losing young adults because there's nothing for them once they get outside of Sunday school. Yeah. And they said that what they shifted is that they went from talking about, um, they, they shifted things. They said, okay, we, we started hyphen a few years back and it's worked. We have young adults now. They're, they're actually flooding our places now. Said So uh, we're shifting our focus. And this year's theme for the hyphen retreat was called release. Mm-hmm. And what yeah. they said, what we're doing now is we're focusing on campus ministries because young adults are in college and we're going to have them minister to those colleges. Uh, we're focusing on uh, like the AIM program and stuff like that and sending you uh, overseas and trying to get you started and being a missionary. And then they had one more thing, and that was uh, something that just now really started this year. Very thankful for what Brother Josh Carson pushed was these young ministers things. And he said that he started a program, basically it's aim for home missions. Yeah. And that's absolutely awesome because we do need more people to answer calls because it is doable. It is absolutely doable. That's absolutely wonderful. Uh, what Brother Carson said, one of the best training grounds, if you feel any sort of calling at all, is if you feel a calling to this, one of the best training grounds that exists is P7 clubs. <laughs> yeah. Starting Bible studies. It is huge. Hugely important. So, uh, you talk about what you would change. What What did you do right? What do you believe that we did, you did right? We love people. We um, we done our best to love everybody that come through the door and make them feel like they they was wanted, make them feel like they were a part. I think that's something we did right, for sure. Um, we stayed. We didn't leave. Um, I've got some people that started churches the same time that we did, and their their churches don't exist no more. There was a local church in Salem when we moved down there. You know, started the church. There's a church in Salem that had been there for several years, and just right after we moved, you know, started the church, they quit. And the bad thing is, they still had some people coming because some of them people ended up coming to the Harvest House for a while, and um, so I think that's probably. I know that's some things that we've done right. We we loved people, and we didn't give up. We kept pressing. We kept pushing, and I think that's very, very important. Um, I think that's probably the main things. I'm sure there's some other things. So, but I, I've got. Um, I'm going to shift this direction just a little bit here, and do something a little weird. Um, so I'm going to ask Bethany here, um, how did this role affect you? I can answer it, but I want to hear it from someone who's not me. (laughs) How, how has this role affected your life growing up in this, growing up in the midst of this type of ministry? I don't know. You, You don't know? I know better than that. I mean, it's kind of, I don't really remember much of my life before 
really. So it, it, it's kind of hard to answer how it affected me. What do you, what would you, I'm trying to figure out how to put this right. So how do you think it would have been different? What's something that you might imagine your life would never have happened if you had not grown up in the middle of this type of situation? Well, I probably wouldn't be married to Texas. <laughs> well, that's obvious. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would stink for you guys. <laughs> um, I, my life would be completely different, I'm sure. I would probably be a completely different person. Um, I've sat and thought about it a bunch of times. I wouldn't rather it by any means. Okay. Well, obviously... Uh, you answer that. Uh, I, that's what I was about to do. Yeah, so in my case, I one of the simplest answers is, well, for one thing, this wouldn't be happening at this exact moment. Uh, none of the episodes of this show would have happened. Uh, the name of this show comes from something that uh, was created by these apostles in our lives. Uh, reality speaks. Evangelism is a must. Actions speak louder than words. Can you hear the call of the lost? Harvest House has a mission. We must reach the lost, preach the truth of God's word, and equip leaders to go out into the streets. That is the mission statement of Harvest House. That is the mission statement of an apostle. And that is where this whole show came from. I was, um, because of being the son of an apostle, I preached my first message, you might say, uh, when I was, I think before I was a teenager, I created a... 15. I created a little short lesson for VBS. That was my closest thing to, that was really where I believe the whole ministry thing really started for me was putting together a VBS thing. Uh, I mean, of course, before that, knocking doors. Uh, and that's where the whole burden was birthed. That's why I started praying every night as I went to bed. And that's where I heard the call to put together my first message when I was 15. That wouldn't have happened. In Bethany's case, uh, she wouldn't be writing songs. You need to check that out if you haven't heard. It's on the Facebook page, the new one that was just put out. <laughs> uh, there's absolutely a million things that was affected. And just one more. So, Texas, how has the role of an apostle changed your life? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I've actually thought about that many times, definitely, um, you know, I was like, well, how else, how else would God got a hold of me, you know, would he have awaited, um, till I was 20, like I am now, you know, cause I was like nine when I first come, would he have waited till I was 20 years old and in college strung out on drugs or an alcoholic you know because that's what that's what you know most of my family uh was and or is you know god god's gonna deliver them but um you know 
that, that that was definitely a thing I've thought about. It's like, you know, how long would it have taken for someone else to get the burden or how long would it have taken for me to find uh, an absolute church or feel a tug towards like a Pentecostal church. So yeah, that'd be different. Well, yeah, uh, absolutely would have been different. So, um, where do you think you would be if you hadn't answered that call? Which, which call? The call to start the church. Where do you think you would be right now? Oh, miserable. <laughs> Probably be number one. I'd be miserable. I mean, cause you know, at, at eighteen, I started teaching Sunday school. Twenty years old when I felt the call, and I think that that call was birthed out of the Sunday school teaching of wanting to help people, want to help young people. Um, there were some reasons that I just I didn't want to accept that call to preach, and part of it, I guess, was commitment. I didn't want to get that commitment. I didn't want to get that criticism. I know I'd get. My brother was preaching, and I'd seen him be criticized because uh, you, you know whatever different reasons, but. When I got closer to God and I felt that call to go ahead and preach in 96, um, it was birthed out of misery because I wanted to um, I want to do what God wanted me to do. I remember Cheryl many times saying, why don't you preach or drive me crazy, you know? Well, that didn't stop there. Um, you know, through being a youth pastor, it was just something, it was, you know, it was, I enjoyed youth pastoring. It was great. But yet there was a longing inside of me to do more, to to expand out and, and try to help. And there was something inside of me that pushed me. So if I'd never accepted that call, yeah, I mean, God would have called me somewhere else, I'm sure, besides Marion. But um, if I'd never accepted that call, I'd be a miserable human being because if God has called us to do something, and no matter what role of the, whether it's a five-fold ministry, if you're part of ministry and it's five-fold ministry, or if it's God's called you to um, just to be the best prayer warrior in your church, if you don't do that calling, you will be a miserable human being. So you, you have to um, follow that call. If you don't, you'll just be miserable. So, um, so miserable. What, um, what is one of the main things that you believe has changed because of it? Because Inside of, of you. Inside of you because of answering that call. Um, what has it created out of you? It has created in me a passion for people to see somebody not go to hell. I think that's the biggest thing. I to see people's lives, you know, and I, I know we got some of our folks that's watching, so I'm sure it wouldn't embarrass nobody or anything, but to see the lives of people who come in and the mess that people's lives are in, and I was not raised that way, of course. Had a good mom, good dad, raised in a good church. And and I think that's something that churches need to change. Um, you know, like, I was exposed to 
the work of the apostle, what we call the home mission work. I was exposed to it through the United Pentecostal Church and realized, hey, you know, you know, you know, I started preaching. It's like, well, you know, we have to wait till some pastor dies to take a church or somebody leaves to take a church. And that's that's what's in your mind. You're thinking, you know, and, and here, you know, in Hopkins County, there's 20 Pentecostal churches of some flavor, you know. So, and um, so I think we need to put in our churches, and you're talking about what they're hyphen and things doing. We need this put into our churches. It's talking to a, a minister today, and you know, and he's he's like, "Well, I'm not don't really know if I'm going to be an evangelist, and I really don't know if I'll be a pastor either." But God don't call you to sit and do nothing, man. And if you're if you're going to be a preacher, God <laughs> called you in that. You know, we're talking about the role of the apostles, so I'm going to go with that flow of it. If God's called you to preach, and there, it's crazy to have a church that may run between 100 and 150 and have 10 preachers in there. Especially if there's a bunch of them as good preachers and or if they're not, you know, they're still struggling learning to be sitting and doing nothing. We've got to somehow push them and press them and realize there's places that needs the gospel preached. And we've got, as a church culture, we've got to somehow let them know and be willing to let them go. Yeah. We gotta let them know. We gotta be willing to let them go, and and to release them. Because I think it was Brother Ken Gurley talking about, I don't know if it's his church or another church, how they would um, they would get a young preacher come up, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was his church, and they would send him out to another part of the Houston area with about fifty. They'd get about five hundred people, and they'd send out another young minister between fifty to hundred people to another area and start another church. He's willing to release them and let them go. Yeah. And I think that's probably one reason a lot of our, and I know we're alive and maybe make some pastors mad, but it'll be okay. <laughs> um, we need to be willing to release some preachers and let them go do the work. I'm thankful that Brother Fuller let us go do a work in Marion because I wouldn't have my son-in-law. Uh, Sister Penny's watching. She wouldn't be in my life. And uh, Brother John done went on to meet the Lord and Brother Donnie done went on to meet the Lord and Brother Jack has done on went on to meet the Lord and all of those was born again of the water and the spirit because that God gave us a burden to go to Marion and start a church and we need people to feel that burden to go do that right now Absolutely. to do the work of the apostle so there's a lot of people who are going I mentioned Brother Driggers earlier starting that starting to work over in uh, overseas but um, and I heard you say it towards the beginning of uh, March and whatever I heard a few people in podcasts and stuff like that like uh, Sister Brittany Scott talking about the fact they had just they, they have a home missions work in Seattle and what do you believe how has COVID changed the role of some of these people who were going and starting a work right now. I cannot even imagine how hard it would be for them. Yeah. Um, especially those that's in highly locked down areas like California and some of these other places. It's It has to be extremely hard. But here's the thing. Um, I was listening to Brother Mark Morgan preach today and 
he was talking about how God called him to um, Los Angeles. And he's like, okay, God, there's two things I'm worried about. You called me to Los Angeles and I'm worried about my kids because of it's basically Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. Is it Los Angeles he's at? I think San Francisco. San Francisco, that's right, San yeah. Francisco. San Francisco, he said, it's Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm worried about that. And plus, it costs a lot of money. And I don't remember if he said Sister Chenault called him or he called her. And he, and he told her she's a prophecy of God. And um, he said, I'm worried about some things. And she said, I know you are. <laughs> and he said, uh, she said, he said, so you know, what am I worried about? And um, Sister Schnaut said, you're worried about your kids, but your kids would be okay. And he said, so what else am I worried about? He said, you're worried about the finances. He said, don't you know that the God who uh, can give you $3 can also give you $3 million? Don't you worry about it. And he made this statement. He said, where God sends his glory, he will do his work. And I know it's hard on them, but what they've got to do is do the work that we all have to do. And that is to, um, the number one work of any ministry, whether it's an apostle, a prophet, the number one calling of any ministry, even the saint of God, is prayer and study of the word. You can't be an effective apostle. You can't be an effective evangelist, pastor, teacher, any of that if you don't pray and study the Word of God. So if that person, my, my advice to that person would be, you know, you keep praying for your city. You keep fasting. You keep uh, doing everything you can to reach whatever. That's that's what we have to do. And that's what we've had to do in the midst of it. If anything, it's helped us and in prayer and and studying the word of god that's for sure because it freed up some time yeah uh, i what i really like is the fact that uh, i've seen so many people um i know they're talking about the fact well we didn't see this coming when we talked about 2020 vision but um I, what i have seen a lot of is uh, people who like brother near talking about the fact that uh, god was talking to him and said that uh, we started homeschooling our kids before everyone started homeschooling their kids. And I, I just saw, uh, and what what I noticed is, you know, one of the most interesting things is the Bible reading program that you started at the beginning of the year. It's the fact that it was online. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's as if God, uh, what Brother Nair put it this way, he said, you need to be visionary instead of reactionary. Uh, see, we have a question. What would you do if we had another lockdown? Would you still be willing to go to the streets? I have given this much salt, Sister Penny. Um, <laughs> and I don't know that I would ever totally shut our church doors again. Mm -hmm. um, now, we might do things totally different. We would do things totally different. I don't know if we'll ever shut the church doors again. Um, but I would do what we need to do now. We need to split up and because I, I was preaching at Brother Strong's yesterday and I was preaching and I, I began to think about it, how 
through all this pandemic, yeah, I preached a sermon. I preached at Harvest House, and I've um, um, preached a few times at some other churches, and it's entitled, What is the Enemy Saying? And right now, we're scared to death of what the enemy is saying to us. But the whole point of my sermon in talking about Gideon is, um, what is the enemy saying about us? Because God sent Gideon to the Midianites' army to hear what they were saying about him. And when he went down there, they was, they was having a, a, a man told a dream and about what was happening, about the barley cake rolling down and destroying some stuff. And a guy rose up and said, that's nothing more but Gideon and his army, and they're going to defeat us. And my whole point is the fact that the devil's telling us one thing, but at the devil's camp, he's, there's another thing going on. That's why he is so much right now fighting the church because he knows in the camp that God's fixing to come back and that he is uh, fixing to lose this thing. And when Gideon come out of that low, I mean, they was locked down. Okay, they were locked down. Yeah. They was hiding in dens and caves and in strongholds. But when Gideon come out of that, when he realized, quit listening what the uh, enemy was saying to him, but what he was saying about him to those that was with him, he went back and said, okay, guys, let's split up. And he split his 300 men up and sent them all in different directions. And I think that right now is what we need to do. We have bunched up so much. We need to split up. And Sister Penny, my answer to that would be, we'll start some Bible studies all over the city, all over Morganfield, all over Marion, all over Salem, anywhere we can do a Bible study and start small groups. And that's what we need to do right now. And that's what we're fixing to push towards anyway. And you were talking about Gerald Staten earlier. Yeah, that's what he's. Gerald Staten right said that's you know they're in Washington D.C. one of the worst places. They're still locked down, can't have but ten people, but they're having Zoom. They're doing. We would do Sister Penny would do everything we could to get the gospel out. It's just what we should be doing right now anyway. Yes, um, that's what uh, Brother Woodward's series at the beginning of the year talking about. We're scattered. Yeah, and he said that that's what he was writing in the uh, in first first Peter, I believe, is what he said was his series and talking about yeah. to all the people scattered. He said, and we're nowhere near as scattered as they were. No, not at all. And we got better connection uh, connections with what we have. So, yeah, I mean, we're zooming right now. I mean, we're at our house in Charleston and Bethany in Texas is in, uh, St. Charles and we're not in the same house and we got, you know, people watching it right now. So we have no excuse, whether it's a lockdown or not, we have no excuse not to put the gospel out there. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mentioned the P7 clubs and the fact that, you know, right now there are, there's a lot of schools that haven't met, but the official method that P7 has out there right now is they have sent out special Bible studies that, and plans for here's how you do online. Here's how you here's how you meet up with all your friends online, so that we can, so that the gospel can still go out there. And I I, I love that. I didn't. Uh, I mean, um, we we have used this before, but it was not on my radar. Zoom was ever a possibility until uh, this year. Absolutely, <laughs> it was not, not on my radar. There's a lot of things that weren't on my radar. And we're not utilizing it now like we should. No, absolutely so. not. We, we are not. Uh, but I, I just, it's it's crazy, some of these things that is out there. So, um, 
think we're getting close to probably a time to begin to close this. So, um, what are some final thoughts? I see you have some stuff that's written down. And yeah, I got some things written down. So, what are some things that you um, uh, just final thoughts on this? I don't think I it's, it's this way with with all the you know we're talking about the fivefold ministry through this. I don't think the fivefold ministry is just something you just choose to do. You have to be called to it. Not every preacher is going to be a pastor. Not every preacher is going to be an evangelist. Um, not every apostle is going to be a pastor. There are some people that's called to be apostles that will go start a church, get established, hand it off to another man and go start another one. There's a lot of people that does that. Um, but as far as it comes to the role of the apostle, we have to be called to it. And I'm, I think God has called me to do this. This is not, the Lord willing, this is not the last church I will plant. I'm going to plant more. Um, there's going to be more that's going to come out of that church, Harvest House and Marion. But um, I want to talk about, I guess, as you're going to close this up, if, some qualities yeah. of an apostle. Apostle, if you look at the apostles, you know, you say, well, who was apostles? Well, the first ones was the 12 disciples. Yeah. They were the 12 disciples before they were the 12 apostles. Yeah. Actually, the 11, then they had Matthias to come in with them. And, but uh, they were disciples before they were apostles. You can't just go out there first thing and say, I'm going to go plant a church. You're going to kill yourself and some people if you do it. Yeah. You've got to have some uh, some things in you to be able to do that. And um, just kind of doing some research and searching, I, I found some things that I, I see in me and some things I need some more in me. That And I'm sure there's many qualities. This is some of Paul's qualities because, after all, you look at the, um, I guess you'd call them pre-Jesus and post-Jesus, however you'd want to call it. Um, but the, the original apostles was the 12 disciples, less Judas. Then you had Matthias that come in. That's the original 12 apostles. They're the ones who started this thing that we have today. And then they discipled more people, and some of them disciples turned into apostles. But not all the disciples are going to be apostles because apostles don't want to go, they'll start some works. But probably the most well-known apostle that we have in the Word of God is Paul. And Paul started many works. He'd done a lot of things, but you can look at a, you can look at Paul's life, and we see some qualities inside of Paul that must be in an apostle. Number one is persistence. Mm-hmm. You cannot be an apostle unless you're persistent. Um, we mentioned earlier, Cheryl commented it, and I was talking to the home missions director here in Kentucky, and and I told him. I don't remember what happened, but I told him, I said, one of the best things we ever done in Marion is we stay. Yeah. you got to be persistent. You have to stay. You can't get your feelings hurt because uh, this and gets mad and leaves. Brother T.F. Tenney said, you'll go through seven churches before you get one established. And I'm kind of excited about that because 
we actually, I was just counting the other day, and I can go through seven different congregations, and I think we're building the seventh congregation now. And I could, I could sit here and name the different groups, and I think we're on our seventh one now. So I'm hoping this is the one that's going to blow Marion wide open. So has to be some persistence. If you're going to be an apostle, you're going to go start a work, you've got to be patient. Because one person's going to come in and they're going to grasp holiness within a month, and then there's some that's going to be, it's going to take years before we get it. Some's going to grasp the, the idea of tithing immediately. Some's going to take a long time. So you've got to be patient, and you've got to be courageous. Um, I had one guy said this one time to us, and he was encouraging us to be uh, church planters, and he's not even a preacher. And he, he said, most of uh, most you church planters are crazy. <laughs> I want to tell you, I've met some crazy people that started some awesome churches, and you gotta you gotta have be courageous and be full of courage because I'm gonna tell you, it's a scary thing to walk into city with you and your two kids, and you don't know anybody, and you feel like everybody's looking at you like, what are you doing? So you gotta have some, you gotta be going there and knock doors, invite people going to some weird situations, and you also have to be humble. Yeah, church planners are crazy, and missionaries are crazier. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, you mentioned your wife and your two kids into, uh, into a city, but I'm thinking of Brother Brasati who just came through and not even knowing a language with his wife. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Into a foreign country, the only one. you got to have a lot of humility. These are, these are qualities of Paul. Somebody wrote down some qualities of Paul. These are qualities of him, one of the greatest apostles we've ever seen. We've got to be humble. We have to be uncompromising. As an apostle, going in, starting a new work, there's going to be temptation to compromise the message of the gospel to make it easier or different to where you can build a crowd. Because we're not building a crowd, we're trying to build a church. And we have to be yielding. Paul said, I become all things to all men, that I might win some. Some. we got to be willing sometime to yield our ideals, our thoughts, our ideologies. And and sometimes you got to be yielding the fact that, okay, this person come out of the culture that I'm not used to, or this person come out of another culture you got to be willing to work with this one in a certain way and that in a certain way. And probably one of the greatest things as in a church planner, apostle, whatever you want to call it. See, I'm weird still with that. It just feels weird calling myself an apostle, but I know that's <laughs> biblically that's what I am. Um, it's forgiving. Because yeah. you're going to get your feelings hurt. Because the people that you pour your blood, sweat, and tears in, you... Give them Bible studies, you preach to them, you give them money, you went to their houses and helped them, all kinds of things. They're gonna, some of them's just gonna leave. They're gonna leave you high and dry and walk away, and you gotta be willing to forgive them because if not, I have been there. I've got my feelings hurt and it's stagnated me before, and I've, I've needed things to pull me out of that. And one of them is you just gotta forgive people. I've, I've had some times where I've just knelt down and I begin to name names of people who have been at our church and not no more. 
and said, God, I forgive them. Yeah. I forgive them. Yeah. So, do we have any final questions before we uh, wrap this up? You don't think so? No, I think we're, I think we got it all. Alright. Well, if no one has anything else that they would like to say, um, could you just close us out in prayer? willing to close out in prayer yeah uh, yes Lord I'm asking you right now God in this time that we're living in right now God we need more people to take on a burden for the apostle Lord this sent one Lord God he will send us he will send people Lord Jesus to, to go spread this gospel in your precious name God we God, love you. We thank you, God, for what you've done. What you've done, Lord, Lord, in your precious name, Jesus. Just ask you, God, to help us, God, in everything, God. Lord, as we go forward, Lord, we just see greater things happen, God. There's many cities in our area that does not have an apostolic church, and they need somebody to rise up and go to them areas, God. We ask you to touch all those that are apostles, God. They're digging out of work somewhere, Lord, and they're especially in this crazy time we're living in, God, right now, that you would touch each and every one, Lord, in your precious name, God. Just ask you to move and to bless and to touch, Lord, in the mighty awesome name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I, I do want to say one more thing, that um, that we can, there are people that will do the work of the apostle, but not be an apostle. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, I mean, um, because, you know, there are some people that sometimes God will put the the, um, the anointing of prophecy on them and they'll be used in a prophecy, but yet they're not what you would call a prophet. Um, there are sometimes, because, I mean, a pastor is basically, you said, mentioned it, Brother Dustin Lee said it's, he's a watchman from the wall. Sometimes there's people that will walk in that Within a church, whether not even they don't even have to be a, uh, a preacher, that will play the role as that pastor. They'll be that watchman on the wall, and I think that everybody should strive to have the spirit of an apostle because it is by definition the sent one. Yeah, and every one of us need to realize that God has sent us into this world to be a light and to um, reach people. So we all need to strive to have that in our lives. So I guess that's the last thing I want to say with it. So, All right. Well, thank you all. Um, we uh, will be continuing this. Uh, we are in the middle of this. Did Brother Dave had a question? I, I never saw it. Uh, I, I never saw your question, Brother David. So uh, we can uh, go ahead and comment it again if you... Okay, well, I saw that, but it didn't look like a... Shh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, um, how church was when you grew up and how church will be when your grandson is old. Yeah. 
I believe that's. Uh, it's not a question. It's a. It's a statement. That's not yeah, a question. It's a. It's a statement. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's. But, I, it, it's going to be greatly different in uh, many ways. I hope the Lord lets me see my grandson and then comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, praise the praise the Lord. Anyway, um, thank you all. Uh, like I said, coming, uh, we do have more lined up. Uh, we are in the middle of scheduling when our prophet is going to come on and talk to us. Uh, we were just texting with him before we came on, so he will be on. He will be on probably within the next couple of weeks or so. So just to keep that in mind, uh, I'm. I have a couple other people I'm going to try and reach out to. Uh, to may, just may kinda, have to do. It, it may be a little late. It may be pre-recorded, and we will see exactly how that does go. So, uh, thank you all for being on, and we will talk to you again um, next week. Praise the Lord, everyone.